Can you imagine sitting in the pub chatting with your mates only to be interrupted by ads? Well, unfortunately, that does happen here at the Homebrew Pub because we're just trying to keep the lights on. However, if you would like to support us directly and get access to ad-free episodes of the Homebrew Pub, please head on over to our Patreon. You can find a link to that on our website, thehomebrewpub.com, and join our mug club. Again, our website, thehomebrewpub.com. I'll see you in the pub after the next couple of ads. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Hello and welcome to another episode of the Homebrew Pub, the only pub in existence where every beer on tap is made by a homebrewer. And on this ethereal plane, the Homebrew Pub will turn into the guest brewer's perfect brew pub. So please come in, grab a stool, and grab a pint. This week we welcome to the pub a friend of mine. It is well, I know him on Twitter as Rob from the Internet. He has a fantastic show called Rob, in parentheses, from the Internet, Talks Beer. Hello, Rob from the Internet. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Man, I, I am I am uh, living the best possible life I can during a global pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think that's what we're all doing right now, which is why I created this very special homebrew pub that exists outside of the realm of reality that we don't have to worry about the pandemic. Would love for everyone to hear about your show, because, I mean, I watch it all the time. Sure. So uh, I, I do. I do a show. It's on YouTube. Uh, YouTube channel is you know Rob, in parentheses from the internet, <laughs> talks about beer, um, and and that's literally what the show is. So uh, you know each week uh, I have a, a different guest. Um, we talk about a style of beer. We talk about the beer's history. We talk about its flavor profile, and we talk about whatever else comes to mind while while we're having our discussion about beer history, flavor profiles, and things <laughs> like that. I, it's you know I, I keep it light I keep it organic um, the the premise is you know just to try and help people who might be a little trepidatious of stepping outside of their comfort zone of the big macro beers and uh, and uh, maybe convince them to uh, try something different and you know it, it it's nice uh, my show I have some industry uh, professionals I have other home brewers I have people who like beer I even have people who like non-alcoholic beer on my show I mean so you know little bit of everything for yeah. anybody who's uh, willing to take a chance and watch or slash listen. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I know when uh, myself and my friend came on, we were drinking uh, Chimay Blue, and I don't think we quite appreciated how strong that beer was. And I know by the end of it, 
we were really goofy because I don't think we had eaten and I think we had like had a beer or two beforehand as well to like loosen up and then you're telling us again this is my second recording with a big shimmy bear and we're like how are you still standing because we are just like talking gibberish right now thank you craft beer for making my alcoholism seem like a fun hobby (laughs) (laughs) um so who who are some of the other guests our homebrewing audience may have heard of uh, let's see who else. Who else have I had? Well, um, uh, most of the people I've had on have been from from Canada, obviously, because that's where I'm living these days. Um, but um, I had um, Mike Doble, the owner of Explorium Brew Pub in Milwaukee. Uh, he owns uh, two two breweries and, and brew pubs in the Milwaukee area. Uh, I had uh, Sam Corbet, who's the uh, the, the head uh, brewer for Sawdust City in uh, Gravenhurst, Ontario. Um, who else have I had? I've had uh, Ruvini uh, De Silva on my show just recently. She was uh, she's the latest episode. The uh, she's a uh, writer. She does a lot of stuff for Good Beer Hunting and mm-hmm. and uh, things like that. Uh, she was absolutely fantastic. Uh, but you know, for the most part, most people that have been on my show have been uh, just other beer enthusiasts. So mm-hmm. you know, home brewers, uh, people who work in the beer industry. The next episode is actually a repeat guest. Uh, his name is Nick King. He's uh, he works at uh, one of the local breweries. Well, local-ish. <laughs> I mean, it's within with, within an hour of me breweries. Mm-hmm. Uh, he works there as a uh, as a server and and all around cleanup kind of guy. Nice. So yeah, you know, it's uh, it's it's not it's not an exclusive club. Anybody who wants to come on can be on my show. I'm more than willing to talk to anybody about anything really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you like beer, cool. Let's talk. If you don't like beer, cool. Let's talk about that. Yeah, no, and it's such a it's such a great time to come on and, and just shoot the breeze with you. So, if people want to come on, um, how what's the best way to reach out to you and be like, hey, I want to I want to come on and talk beer or not talk beer as the case may be. Right, right. So you can uh, you can reach me on uh, on Twitter. That's my main uh, social outlet. That's uh, Rob uh, from Internet is my handle there. Uh, otherwise, you can uh, you can you can email me at robtalksbeer at roald.net. Uh, we can put the uh, the actual address in your show notes or whatever, so people can, don't have to try and figure out how to spell my last name. But, <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, like the easiest though is just to uh, to reach out to me on Twitter. Um, I accept uh, DMs from just about anybody on earth i just take might take me a day or two to notice that i have a, a message request but i will get to them all <laughs> <laughs> i am drinking um eye to eye from flux brewing uh, it's in scotland ontario which is a, a tiny little burb uh little burg not burb burg uh, uh of about i think i think 4200 people um it, nice. it, it's literally it's literally uh this brewery is literally five minutes down the road from me i can go there on my lunch hour have a couple beers come back because i work from home and uh you know it's all good but this is their this is their irish uh irish red it's uh it's nice it's uh let's see what do they say it's uh 25 ibus so ibus are very subjective uh 4.5 percent alcohol and uh, ingredients include water barley hops and yeast hey go figure the, the classic <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking, so it's become my house beer. But um, I brewed this in honor of Shakespeare. It's an English uh, mild, um, and it's uh, about four percent. And it means I can have four or five of them in an evening and not feel terrible. So, cheers! Nice. I yeah. Che- cheers. Uh, I'm still pouring mine. <laughs> so you you yourself are obviously a home brewer, which is why you are our guest visiting home brewer here at the Homebrew Pub. 
So, what is your when you're when you're making a beer? What is your approach to brewing and thinking about recipes and and all of that fun stuff? Yeah. So what, what, when I think about a beer style that I want to make, uh, the first thing I do is I go and I look at the uh, the BJCP or whatever it is, the, uh, the beer judges uh, certification guide. program. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they had and, and I use that as a jumping off point. They're like, okay, it uses this, this, and this. And I'm like, cool. Now I'm going to replace this with this and this with this because <laughs> I like I like the concept of of, of all the actual uh, standards there are, but I like to play around. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, uh, well, look, like um, the, the the recipe that I sent to you today is is a is a twist on a, on a, a blonde ale. Um, I, I call it the Canadian Dirty Blonde because I swap out a little bit of the. Uh, the base malt for for a different variety to give it a little darker color and a little bit more uh, flavor than you would typically get from a blonde style ale. So, yeah, I like to be uh, I like to be fairly uh, fairly um, loose with uh, with my recipe creation. Um, I'm not afraid to try things. You know, I make uh, I make some good beers. I make some okay beers. And I've <laughs> I've made a few. No, I'm not gonna do that ever again. Type of beers, but you know, uh, I I. I <laughs> I have a friend who's uh, who's also a home brewer uh, who's out in Nova Scotia who we are pretty much diametrically opposed when it comes to our style of brewing. He's very much follows the uh, the, the the style guidelines to the letter and, and tries to replicate beer styles perfectly. Where I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna pull this hop out. And I'm gonna put this hop in. I'm gonna pull this malt out. And I'm gonna swap it for this. I'm gonna throw in a little bit of that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I like recipes as very loose guidelines. So yeah, I guess uh, so. That's that the kind of uh, that's kind of how my brewing style is as well. I just kind of play with things, and and if it works, cool. I've got a record of what I used, and if it doesn't work, cool. I'll never use that again. <laughs> <laughs> so when 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 you're looking at when you're looking at the the recipe, then how like what is your inspiration then of like all right, I'm gonna change this out or I'm gonna add this adjunct. Like how do you get to that point of like this is what i want to change um i typically i typically look at a style of beer that that uh that i like and i'm like well how would i change this to make it something i like even more um blonde ales like the like the the, the one i was talking about earlier i love blonde ales in the summertime because they're nice light easy drinker sitting out on the patio sitting by the pool whatever you can have a few you know they're low abv so so you don't feel guilty about uh drinking three four a dozen <laughs> <laughs> um but but uh you know as nice as they are for as light as they are they're also kind of boring in in, in the the flavor profile i mean they're 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 about as close to a macro style beer as you can get and not actually be a macro style beer and that's not to say it's a bad thing i mean Sometimes that's definitely what you want, but mm-hmm. I like I, I I wanted to have just a little bit more in mind. I wanted to have just a little bit more of that caramel flavor, and I wanted to have just a little bit more of a of a crisp biscuit flavor in mind. So I'm like, okay, well, what can I do to this recipe to uh to make it more how I would want it? I'm like, well, I can I can pull out some of the uh the pale malt that that is the base for this, uh, the Pilsner malt, and then I can I can just throw in just a, a touch of, of another malt like a uh, what was it? It's uh, Car- Caramel 40, I think is what mm. I used. Uh, let, let, hang on. Yeah, Caramel... <laughs> I had to bring up my recipe. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I use a, a crystal, crystal slash Caramel 40, um, and and then uh, a little, uh, just a little bit of uh, Carapils, uh, just, just, to, uh, just to switch up, because typically a blonde ale just has Pilsner malt in it, and, you know, as, as nice as that is, it, it's 
kind of plain. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're essentially the ale version of a lager, like a macro Correct. lager. And, that, and that's not a insult to them because, I mean, the thing I love about blonde ales is, and way more than if, because lager yeast to me has like a very, offers a very distinct taste. That's partly why people like lagers. But blonde ales stand up to so much recipe abuse. Like, if you want to try out, like, a brand new flavor in a beer, you generally can't go too wrong by doing it to a Blondale. Yeah, well, and they're they're a fantastic beer for people who just want to play around a little bit, but mm-hmm. don't want to get too crazy. Yeah. Because, because you know, it is. Like you said, it's it's basically the ale equivalent of a lager. Um, and and it's, it's, a, it's a pretty, pretty, um, pretty clean palette to start from so mm-hmm. you can you can you can try and add things to it and see what works and what doesn't and you know worst case scenario if you're making a small batch like say a five gallon batch or whatever okay you're out what fifteen dollars worth of ingredients because bucks at the most yeah yeah because there's not a whole lot in it to start with <laughs> so if you're adding just a little bit and replacing something just a little bit of this and a little bit of that mm-hmm. you're not really changing the price point at all so it, it, it it's it's a great beer to start with experimenting because yeah. You know, because you're not going to lose a whole lot, even if it's a completely terrible beer that you create. Yeah, and and it's also a great style to learn almost advanced brewing techniques with, because there's nowhere for off flavors to hide when you're that doing is, your. That is true. Yeah, when you're doing your big hot bomb IPAs, which are totally my jam. <laughs> like, I've done a couple where I was like. I know it's there, but my mate Aaron isn't going to know it's there. But if you did it to, like, a, a Blondale, and if Aaron ever hears this, he's going to yell at me. Um, but um, but if you're doing it to a Blondale, like, there is nowhere for it to hide. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's the same with, with pretty much any any of the, uh, the the simple styles. I mean, they you know, they're, they're simple styles, but uh, they're also the, the most brutal when it comes to pointing out flaws in your recipe or, or mm-hmm. things like that. So... Yeah, I mean, uh, if you can make a good blonde ale, cool. Make a fantastic blonde ale. But if you also want a beer that you can play around with and not feel guilty when it comes out, there, <laughs> start with a blonde Do ale. Do a blonde ale. <laughs> <laughs> so, what what other beer styles then have you experimented with? Uh, well, my my go to beer that I typically brew the most is actually uh, uh, it's a, a stout. Um, so I have a based stout called War Never Changes. Uh, from the Fallout series, uh, most of my beers are named after uh, pop references, so it'll be games or movies or books. Uh, so War Never Changes is the base uh, stout that I have, and and the base stout uh, comes in at about you know uh, I think it comes in at like five and a half percent, but I use that as my jumping off point. So that, you know I also use it to make a, an imperial version of that stout that comes in at like ten and a half percent, and I use it to make uh, I've made a, a a toasted marshmallow chocolate stout using that Ooh. as the base. And you know, I've I've made I've made a uh, I've made a sour stout with that as the base. So I, I I take this one recipe and I change it up or I add things to it, and, and uh, you know it, it becomes my uh, my uh, my go-to. So you know the, the the name War Never Changes is kind of uh, an oxymoron because that recipe changes all the time depending <laughs> on what I'm doing to it. Uh, I I did one with um with uh is it the uh, Kvik? Is that how you pronounce it? I, I, uh, I've heard it so many ways, like Kvik, yeah. Reich. Yeah. Right, yeah, well, you know, whatever, that, that, that uh, the Scandinavian yeast. <laughs> <laughs> the that, the uh, one that can be fermented at 100 Fahrenheit. 
Right, right. So I took, I took, uh, and I called it War in Norway, uh, was, was <laughs> what I called that version of it. So I took this, say, just my basic Imperial Stout recipe using, using uh, this blend uh, called Jordal, which is from Escarpment Labs here in uh, Ontario, uh, which they make fantastic yeast. Uh, and it literally fermented in three days, and I was at 10.5%. Oh, wow. Three days. Three day. That's it, crazy. It's amazing. I pitched the yeast 15 minutes later. The 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 overflow tube into my uh, my bubbler was going nuts, mm-hmm. and then literally, I swear to you, it was 72 hours on the dot, and it just stopped dead. That's crazy. I mean, it's it's like it's it's going nuts, and then you turn around and it's just nothing. Yeah. I'm like, well, I guess it's done. Because <laughs> <laughs> I I I used one for um for. Uh, a sati I was making, which is an old Scandinavian style of beer, and I was doing it dead in the summer, and I couldn't get. So I live in Colorado, and I couldn't get the wort down to pitching temperature for another yeast. But when I got down to a hundred for that one, I was like, eh, "I'm good now," because I hate the chilling process. It takes forever, and yeah, exactly the same thing. Like within an hour, bubbles. Um, thankfully I use a blow off tube because that thing was active beyond belief, helped ruin a carpet and, (laughs) and yeah, it was like you said, three days it was done. Like I still left it for the two weeks kind of out of fear, um, that I was gonna, (laughs) you know, go to it, uh, too soon. But yeah, that yeast is crazy. Yeah, well, you know, the thing for me is uh, I love my Imperial Stouts. I, lo- I love big beers. I, we, we've talked about it. That's why mm-hmm. you guys did this Chimay on my show is because I love big beers. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I wanted to play with it. And it, it literally cuts my time in half for my Imperial Stout because it used to take, you know, it would take a week to two weeks for it to finish fermenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I had to let it sit for at least two weeks. Uh, and then, then, then I would, you know, uh, you know, to, to kind of, uh, settle out and condition or whatever. And then I could do something with it. Well, if I can ferment it in three days, it just, <laughs> you know, it, it, it cuts 11 days off my Be drinking it by Friday. That's right. So when you're, when you're approaching, uh, brewing a blonde and, uh, approaching brewing like a, a big beer, does that impact, um, how you're brewing it, how you're, um, you know, your process or how you're formulating that recipe, or do you stick with the same process every time? No, I pretty much use the same process every time uh, when I create a recipe. Um, if, if I'm doing one that I've done before, I mean, it's literally just plug and play. I just grab the ingredients that I need. Yeah. Uh, if I'm creating, if I'm creating a new one, I use uh, Beersmith. Um, it's a pretty well known, uh, pretty well known uh, program app. for crafting beer. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that really helps because it'll, it'll show you, you know, as you're building a recipe, it'll show you if you're within tolerances for the style. Uh, and, you know, for the most part, you want to try and stay within some sort of close tolerance to the style if you want to call it that style. Uh, I like to push the boundaries. I'll, I'll take, I'll take the, like, the uh, especially when it comes to, like, the, uh, the color and mm-hmm. the, uh, the ABV, I'll try and push those as far up into the, uh, past the green into, like, the yellow without getting into the red zone as I can. <laughs> But yeah, I, it's the same approach pretty much every time. I'll take the the, uh, the the base, like I said, the base recipe that you get from the style guides, and then uh, I'll start tweaking it till it till I find what I want. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the time, what I'll do is uh, if if I'm doing, so say I'm doing a 20 gallon batch, it's going to be my main batch. I'll actually buy enough to do a 25 gallon, and I'll do a, a pilot with a five gallon batch just to make sure that 
I'm not fucking things up when I uh, <laughs> when I dump in the the, the big batch. You yeah. Know? Um. So, uh, and yeah, it's worked out for me pretty well. And and but like I said, I like to play things fast and loose. So mm. if if it's a little different than I expected, but it's still pretty much in the same realm, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. So you you're brewing tiny gallon batches. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> well. Yeah, so I used to do uh, five gallon batches, and then uh, then then I then I got uh, I, I had a, a system called a brewery, so it was an automated system. So mm-hmm. I would literally just uh, set it and forget it, kind of like uh, the Ron Popeil uh, rotisserie uh, of beer makers. <laughs> and uh, well, that that wasn't enough. So then uh, then I got a second one. <laughs> so then I was doing double double batches, and then it, then I started doing uh, doubles on the doubles. <laughs> and, yeah. So, I've got uh, I've got I've got a, a decent homebrew setup. I'm actually getting a new brewing system um, next month. I'm placing the order for. It. I'm getting myself a a Blickman one barrel Herms. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm going I'm going going pro uh, in my in my garage. In, in your garage, yeah. <laughs> I am jealous. Yeah. yeah so um, and then I'm also buying I'm also buying two uh, two uh, half barrel um, unitanks to supplement the uh, the uh, two uh, quarter barrel uh chronicles that i have out there so i've got uh i've got the you know half uh quarter barrel uh conical fermenters with uh glycol chiller and oh wow everything out there right yeah i figured if i was going to do it i was going to do it the way i wanted to really do it yeah um, <laughs> and uh, you know i all well i mean i'm also the guy that has the uh 10 foot long uh, commercial cooler with four doors and three taps on it in my <laughs> garage as well so Right now, I've got a 30-liter uh, keg of uh, Bob's Best Bitter from uh, Green and Grit here locally, and then a 20-liter keg of uh, Equilibrium, which is another ESB uh, from from Nickelbrook Brewing in uh, Burlington, Ontario. So, be <laughs> and I've got one tap free right now. Very nice. I was going to say, be honest, are you the most popular guy in your neighborhood? Uh, I probably would be if, if people were allowed to go to other people's houses. Oh, that's right true. Yeah. <laughs> Are you the drunkest guy in your neighborhood right now? <laughs> that probably, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I did. You know what's funny is I did uh, dry January because I realized I was drinking way more than I really needed to. So I figured if my body needed a reset. I mean, I was at the point where I was drinking six beers a day, and most of them were at least ten percent. Oof. Um, yeah, and it's funny. So I did the the dry January thing, and I had I had two beers on February. Uh, first, both of them were under six percenters, and I was I was feeling mighty fine after two beers. <laughs> after thirty days of not having any alcohol in your system, you're drinking. You're like, oh yeah, I remember what it's like when you're not <laughs> when you're not uh, abusing your body on a daily basis with this stuff. Oh, this feels nice. <laughs> As we sit here in the pub of the mind, what beer are you going to be adding to our tap list? Right, so I'm going to be adding uh, my 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 take on a blonde ale. It's a Canadian Dirty Blonde. Um, it, it it it's a nice nice beer. Uh, I have brewed this myself at least a dozen times, and um, as I told you before the show started, I did a collaborative brew with a with a with a real brewery, uh, Schooner Street Brewing in uh, Waterloo, and uh, they actually uh, they actually uh, asked me if I would. Uh, if I would uh, brew this with them for a, a holiday party for uh, another company that uh, that the owner of the brewery owns, so we did, uh, yeah, we did a nice batch of it uh, for for a holiday party. And I wasn't at this holiday party because I had other plans, but uh, apparently it uh, th- th- they made a they made a 15 gallon batch of it just to see if people would like it, and it was gone in a half an hour. Oh wow! 
<laughs> yeah, so it's 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 a it's a decent beer. Um, uh, in terms of color, it's kind of a light amber color. It's not the straw, not the really light straw color, just typical blonde ales. Because I I do use uh, the 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 caramel forty, mm-hmm. um, and it it's it's uh, it's not it, you know depending on depending on if you crash it hard or or not, it, it'll be slightly hazy. Um, it's got a, it's got a medium medium light carbonation visually so you'll see a, a few little bubbles arising in it but nothing crazy it gets a decent head on it and uh it's got like i said it's got a nice it's got that uh, that base um blonde ale flavor which is kind of like um kind of like a cracker mm-hmm. um white that white bread crackery flavor but because uh because i use uh the carapils and the caramel 40 in it you also get uh, a little bit of like um baked uh bread crust and uh actual actual like um biscuit flavor to Ooh. it which is nice yeah, yeah it, it's uh it, it's not it's not not as biscuity as say like uh like your english mild that you're that you, you you've got but it's got mm-hmm. that you know you taste it and you get after the aftertaste you're like oh yeah that tastes like a biscuit <laughs> <laughs> it, I am, it's nice yeah i i'm such a fan of uh biscuity beers like <laughs> Uh, I brewed twice one weekend uh, in January, and both of them were like biscuit forward uh, beers. So I was like, I'm such a fan of that. I love that as much as I love hot bombs. I just love that multi backbone to get my teeth into. Yeah, that's that's my favorite style. Is uh, pretty much anything that's got uh, a multi uh, multi backbone to it. So you know, I love I love my stouts. I love my porters. I love my uh, I love my ESBs and my bitters. Uh, I love an old school IPA. None of this, none of this hot bomb New England <laughs> West Coast bullshit. Give me an old school English IPA where it's got that, you know, that super heavy maltiness with that just that mm-hmm. kick of bitter at the end, and you're like, oh yeah, this is what a beer is supposed to be. <laughs> you you are the third person to come on and organically slam New England IPAs. Well, you you know, New England IPAs are the IPAs for people who don't like IPAs. Yeah, because. You know, it's just like it's just like you see these places that have like sour IPA. That's not an no, IPA, that's an IPA. It's, it's, it's just a sour. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a New England IPA isn't really an IPA, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It's it's just uh, a, a fruity beer that has some of the same hops as as an IPA. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. With um, so you being in Canada, coming from the U.S., one of the things I struggle to find are those ESBs, or if they do have an ESB, like. I and I'm not gonna name and shame, but like I, I there's only one place here I found where the ESB is a hundred percent solid, and that's because the brewmaster happens to be from Old Blighty. Uh ES, nice. yeah, he's a fantastic brewer. Um, are the are milds and ESBs more common up in uh, Canada as we share the same head of state? They are. They are actually. Um... So the, the 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 two I have on tap, like I said, I have uh, Bob's Best Bitter. Uh, actually, I think they renamed it to like Bob's Best English Ale now because a lot of people don't understand that a bitter isn't, isn't bitter. Bitter. <laughs> uh, and then and then the other one I have on tap, Equilibrium. Those are both fantastic uh, ESBs. And then there's another brewery um, that, that I like to frequent called Clifford Brewing. Um, they make one called the Dark Streets of London, which is an absolutely phenomenal ESB, and they also do a cask version of it that you can buy. Uh, they'll, they'll, they they cask age it, and then they put it into like you know like uh, the the boxes like you got you can get the cheap wine in. Yeah. But they'll. You can oh, buy that's a, clever. 
a four liter box of it when they do it and it's absolutely fantastic because you know you get that nice low carbonation because it's cask aged yes. so, you, so you can slam four liters before you realize it <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but but it's it's you know cask aged beers are just so much smoother and so much more uh, palatable than the, you know because carbonation adds bitterness to beer yes and and, and if you're looking for something that that's more sweet and caramely and, and biscuity you don't necessarily want that bitter. I mean, you might want a little bitter on the end, but you're looking, if you're going for those kind of beers, you're going for sweet anyway. So mm-hmm. might, might as well have a lower carbonation so there's less bitterness to it. Well, because the, the thing I spend a lot of time fighting here is obviously people say like, oh, British beer is warm and flat. And it's like, no, A, it's cellar temperature, not ice cold. And it's not flat. And the only thing I can kind of explain it without getting into tentacle of life fermentation and and all of that fun stuff is america loves their beer carbonated like soda and yes again not not an insult but if you take an american ipa versus a british ipa the bubble difference is yeah all right I, I have switched beers because my first beer was just a little shorty can, so Oof. now I'm on to my second beer. Nice. So I am I am drinking um, Hockley Dark from Hockley Valley Brewing. It is a traditional English ale, so it's mild, lightly light body with full flavor, and I have to say it is it is uh, a nice beer. Um, this is one that I had never heard of before I moved to Canada because obviously it's a, a, a smaller craft uh, brew here in Canada. They make fantastic beer. Their their dark ale is, I mean. You can see, and no one else will. No. It's a nice dark. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's, gorgeous. It's, it's a nice. Yeah, it, it's like this uh, this ruddy uh, auburn color, mm-hmm. and it's a uh, it's fantastic. It's bready. It's biscuity. It's got just a twinge of bitter on the end. I mean, it's everything you want an English ale to be. Nice. So we'll be adding the recipe to the Canadian Dirty Blonde to the show notes. So thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, with us so everyone can brew and drink along um, as they listen to to the podcast but i would love to know what is the beer that you brewed and went i've made a huge mistake it, it actually happened uh, right around christmas time this year oh no uh, yeah my, my buddy dale came from nova scotia and he's like hey you know let's uh, let's let's brew something together i'm like cool and uh and uh, my my uh, my brew system was down, so he brought his with him. He had uh, one of those uh, Robo brews, you know, mm-hmm. all in one. Yep. Uh, he's like, uh, uh, you know, I'm driving out that way, so I'll just bring it with, and we'll brew a beer. I'm like, cool. So I put together a recipe for an American strong ale, which is a fantastic style of beer. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, my grain bill was a little too heavy for his Robo brew to handle <laughs> properly, and it uh, it uh, it. Uh, during during the uh, the mashing process, uh, he got a nice error on the screen telling him that uh, that it had a thermal overload and it shut off. Oh no! And the the resets on the bottom, which is such a pain in the ass. Yeah. So so we uh, yeah. Oh well. And on top of that, um, uh, there had been some particulate fall through his uh, his uh, false bottom, yeah. and it burned on the bottom. So the entire thing had a burnt flavor oh, to it. No. Yeah, so we, we 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 pulled it out of we pulled it out of the rubber brew and we threw it uh, threw it onto uh, I, ha- I happen to have a hundred and fifty thousand BTU uh, propane burner and a sixteen gallon uh, vessel, so we tossed it into that, brought it brought it up to mash temperature, then brought it to a boil, did everything, but yeah, um, I threw it, you know, and I saw the burnt stuff on the bottom, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be a dud, I'm pretty sure of it. 
but we'll, we'll throw it in the keg and we'll let it sit. And, mm-hmm. and I let it, you know, uh, we went through the fermentation process and that all went fine. And I tested it and it, it still tasted a little burnt when I was, when I was testing it and everything. And I threw it into the keg and let it sit for, for three months. Wow. Uh, well, not, it's not that three months, two months. Um, cause I just, I just threw it out last week. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I kept testing it along the way and, and yeah, it was just, it was absolutely horrible. I, I called it, uh, what did I call it? I called it, uh, scorch beer. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you could just tell everyone it was a Roush beer and everyone would be like, oh yeah, that's really fashionable right now. Right. Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was beyond a rock beer and it was into scorch beer. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was absolutely absolutely terrible. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate too because uh, the recipe is a, it was a, it was a damn fine recipe, but uh, you know just due to circumstance it uh, it turned out turned out like crap. Uh, one of my other one of my other ones that I've that I've brewed a few times and it's been really hit or miss for me is um, do a uh, a maple cranberry gruit. Ooh, uh, if um, you're not what's familiar, a gruit? Yeah, yeah. For people who aren't familiar, a gruit is a beer that gets uh, bittered without using hops so it uses um uh botanicals and spices to uh, to bitter it rather than using hops so uh typically uh for for the for the gruit that i make i use um like molding spices like if you're making mold wine oh, okay um yeah so uh and it's been you know it's one of those beers that it it's an ancient style of beer and it, it it's it's much like your pilsners and things there's no room to hide your yeah. mistakes if it, if it's good it's good and if it's bad it's really <laughs> bad <laughs> so i've brewed it i think i've brewed it five times and three of the five have been either eh or bad and two of the times have been like wow this is the best thing i've ever brewed <laughs> <laughs> what what would you say the difference was with like getting the two good batches to the 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 three bad? Um, honestly, I think it's uh it, it's it's uh, the ingredients that you can get uh, when when you're making. I mean, you know, you have to use uh, you know, it uses like two pounds of fresh cranberries, uh, and if you can't get fresh cranberries, you have to try and substitute the frozen ones. And while they're they're almost as good, they're 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 not quite as good. And if you can't get those, then you got to try and get dried ones with don't use dried ones yeah. because they, they they destroy the recipe and and it uses uh you know it uses ginger in it as well so um if you're if your ginger is a little suspect uh, and it, you know your your beer is going to have a weirdness to it uh because like you can't use like powdered ginger or candied ginger it has to be fresh yeah ground ginger so you know um things like that and and it, and again you know your spices if your spices are are starting to get old and they're not really flavorful or they're, they're not going to, they're not going to do their bittering job. It's, you know, I think that that's what it comes down to. And dried spices are the hardest thing to judge when, yeah. when they're still dry. So that, that, I think that's really what makes it hit or miss is, okay, well, I've got my mulling spices here. How fresh were these when I bought them? Yeah. How, how fresh are they now? <laughs> how much? <laughs> well, cause like, I mean, spices and herbs are just things that you, just have in your kitchen cabinet and never think about right i mean we we uh my my wife is an avid uh avid uh uh, gastronomist i guess she Mm -hmm. likes to cook and she likes to play around so we we typically have a fairly uh robust uh, amount of spices in the house and they tend to uh rotate in and out pretty quickly but again if you're not getting it from from uh, a source that reliably reliably gives you proper properly aged and properly conditioned uh dried spices you don't know what you're really getting yeah i mean 
and and you know we tend to, we tend to buy things from uh, the, a very reputable dealer based out of uh, Edmonton, Ontario, called uh, Slick Road Spices, and they have fantastic stuff. But sometimes, you know, you can't get the stuff you want right away, so you got to try and substitute with stuff you can find locally, and and that's hit or miss. Yeah, I I can't say I'm ever going to try a Gruitz. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds horrifying. <laughs> I mean, you know, when it works, it works great. I mean, you can find you can find, probably find a uh a less less uh complex gruit recipe that would probably be a lot easier to use. Something that doesn't use the the uh all, all the moving parts that mine does. I mean, yeah. I tend to be uh, I tend to be kind of aggressive when it comes to uh the number of uh ingredients I put into beers. Like I have a um a uh, Belgian double that uh, typically a Belgian double will use four types of malt. Mm-hmm. Mine uses seven. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I can. <laughs> I was going to say that's the American spirit right there. That's right. That's, uh, that's me. Push, push, push those damn bombs. <laughs> <laughs> so as, as we sit here again in the, in the homebrew pub of the mind, um, this brew pub turns into whatever you want it to be. So... What would your brew pub be called, and what would your brew pub be? Right. So, uh, um, I think I I talked to you about this before uh, before we were uh, recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I moved to Canada, the intent was that my wife and I were actually going to open a brew pub until we discovered uh, how much rigmarole and and red tape and hoops you have to jump to here jump through here in Ontario to open a brew pub. But um, our, our our brew pub was actually going to be called Critical Hit Brewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was going to be uh, it was going to be geeky game inspired. So our logo was actually uh, Cthulhu. For those who, uh, who who know who Cthulhu is, uh, you know you know what he looks like. For those mm-hmm. who don't, uh, imagine imagine a giant muscular man with a squid's head, and uh, and big claws and and and, and green wings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he was throwing a, a twenty sided die, and it came up on a twenty. So that was our logo. It was you know critical hit. Um, and the the interior was going to basically it was basically going to look like um, every comic book shop you've ever been in. So it was going to be full of shelves with games and books and and uh, comics and and graphic novels for people to sit around and read. And then uh, you know the brewing equipment and the taps and everything all in the back where you could come up, grab what you want, hang out, you know, ha- have a beer or three, you know, fill my fill my pocketbooks because I'm losing money on this every day. <laughs> <laughs> That that sounds like a slice of heaven for me. Yeah, you know, just because that's what my wife and I like. I mean, um, you know, we're 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 geeks. You know, we uh, we play video games. We've got we've got three bookshelves full of board games, and then we've got uh, probably I don't know between the two of us, we've probably got four or five thousand books. Oh wow, <laughs> gee, yeah. Uh, we're 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 avid book collectors. We might not read them all at, before we die, but uh, we we want to own them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so like a lot of a lot of our beers are inspired by uh, the books and movies and and uh, things like that. So, you know, um, like I said, my my stat was called War Never Changes for the base, and then uh, I had uh, a a sour ginger ale that I made, uh, as opposed to ginger ale that you buy in the store. This is a sour ginger space. Ale <laughs> <laughs> that that I called Nuka Ginger from the Fallout series, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, and then uh, I've got uh, I actually have a uh, hard uh, sarsaparilla that I make uh, mm. as opposed to a hard root beer uh, because you know 
sarsaparilla is the the, the original. Um, so that that's actually called sunset sarsaparilla, and yeah. uh, you know, uh, from 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 Fallout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got uh, I've got uh, Stay Puffed, which is my toasted marshmallow stout. Nice uh, from from, Ghost, from Ghostbusters. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've got uh, what have I got? Uh, um, my my Belgian double is called um, Pippin and Mary. Uh, from, from Lord of the Rings, uh, and then uh, I've got uh, I've got uh, Saruman the Sour, <laughs> and then uh, what else have I got? I've got oh, I don't know. I've got I've got. Well, well, here, hang on. Let me let me look at my my list of recipes. We we made a um, vanilla cream ale uh, for Ghostbusters. Nice. In honor of Stay yeah. and we served it on nitro. So uh, my Lord of the Rings beers are are beer and back again, a Hobbit's ale. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gimli at Helm's, Helm's Deep, which is an Imperial Porter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pippin and Mary, which is my double. Um, uh, Bilbo's Best Bitter, which is my best bitter. Uh, what else have I got? Uh, I've got um, I've got Hestur, my Imperial Barley Wine. So mm-hmm. you take a barley wine and you uh, you uh, you amp it up even more. So instead of being like eleven percent, it's more like thirteen or fourteen percent. And God. if you can, you barrel you barrel age it. Yep. Uh, and then I've got uh, my bourbon barrel aged porter called Miskatonic Reserve. Mm. And then uh, what else have I got? Uh, Go- <laughs> Gozer the Gozerian, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is which is my, my, my Goza. Go figure. Yeah. And then um, for people who might know, uh, I, I'm part of a community of runners that that uh, play a game called uh, Zombies Run. So it's an immersive uh, running game uh, where you you take the part of the the main character called Runner Five. So I've got several recipes based off of that. Like uh, our saison is called Janine's Farmhouse because in the story you live at Janine's Farmhouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've got the I've got the Pepe's original tequila aged uh, ale, and nice. then I've got the. Runner Five's Lemon Ginger Rattler. Ooh, yeah, that yeah. sounds delightful. Yeah, well, I mean those those are some of, some of my uh, some of my recipes. Uh, yeah. And then I've got um, I've got one like uh, <laughs> I've got I've got a Flanders Red called Stupid Flanders. <laughs> 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 you know, so and then uh, my my Gruet is is typically uh, technically named Hi. My name is Herb. <laughs> Bittered with herbs. Yeah. <laughs> that all sounds amazing. So everyone, come and join us at Critical Hit for some nerdy goodness. And while we're constantly adding to the Homebrew Pub um, tap list, Rob has got an amazing tap list of his own. So go and get some of those beers. That's right. Yeah, and 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 please, you know, feel free to uh, to take the the recipe that'll be in the notes for the Canadian Blonde Ale and put your own twist on it. I, I would I would love to see what other people do with it. Um, it's great as is, but I bet someone else could make it a hundred percent better. I'm I you know I was gonna I was gonna say absolutely, but I, that sounded really rude. And uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but no, I mean, but that's the beautiful thing about homebrewing is you take recipes and you take inspiration and you can just make it your own. And that's not to say it's better or worse than what came before or after. It's just what you want to drink, and that's a beautiful thing. That's right. Yeah. So come on down to Critical Hit Brewing. Uh, we're we're ser- we're serving up other people's beer at the moment, but as soon as this pandemic's over, we're going to be brewing full bore, and the taps will be flowing.
Again, a huge thank you to Rob. Please go and check out his web series, Rob from the Internet Talks Beer. And I'll be putting his details in the show notes along with the beer recipe so you can reach out to him. And if you want to go on his show, it is a great time. And of course, thank you so much for listening. If you could leave us a five-star review wherever it is you get your podcast, that'll just help other people find the show. If you want to reach out to us, possibly come on and share a pint with me. You can reach us at our website, thehomebrewpub.com, or email landlord at thehomebrewpub.com, or on social, at thehomebrewpub on Instagram and Twitter. And if, like me, you hate those annoying ads, well, we've got to keep the lights on here at the Homebrew Pub somehow. So consider joining our Patreon and becoming a Mug Club member. For $3 a month, you'll get access to ad-free versions of the episodes. But until then, grab your favorite pint, put your feet up, relax, don't worry, and have a homebrew. Till next time, cheers. Cheers.